0: Tuesday Night Talk is a part of Real Sound Review's YouTube channel, where I make tutorial, reviews and many incredible things to help you in sound creation. You can support by donation on Patreon.com, ZDV and, indeed, subscribe to never miss a single episode. Hello everyone and welcome to Tuesday Night Talk. We are in the middle of a crisis today because uh, this French band, how do they are? Uh, What is their name? It's, uh, you know... Daft Punk. Daft Punk. Daft Punk just broke up and this is a drama. And we are sending our condolences to their fans. To be serious, I am very lucky to welcome Richard Thompson. Hello, Richard. Hello. Thank you for having me here. I am the lucky person, so um, how can I introduce you? You are a musician, you manage a small label. Yeah, Yeah? like
1: a small bedroom label, you
0: could say. Small bedroom label, you've been living in Latvia for 10 years? No, not that long. Uh, It's. Mm, let's say six years. Six years? Yeah. So you've been lying to me all this time? To well, six, been... six,
1: seven years. I, 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 No, I before then I was sort of back and forth a lot between mm-hmm. Latvia and the UK. And there was like a lot of touring here when from 2011 onwards. But it was 2013 that I properly moved here. But then I moved back in fourteen, and then came here again in two thousand early 2015. So yeah, a little bit of back and forth, but I'd I'd say properly living here since 2014, 15, sorry, 2015.
0: Is it useful to mention that your nationality is uh, British? Well, you can. You can, uh, yeah. (laughs) I think everybody with a decent fluent English speaker would have guessed that, but. uh, Maybe. Yeah, but. There's some
1: excellent English speakers around with with interesting accents who who aren't british so
0: i i don't deny this i don't deny this you you are uh, so full disclosure because this is the kind of thing that we are on youtube we know each other and uh, and and on that topic you remind me my, that i have some uh, my french accent did not disappear completely and i accept that as 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 a, a diplomaticness <laughs> so um your musical project is named Lost Arbors you have several uh, projects right now. What is the style of music you are playing? How would you? Uh,
1: well, in Lost Harbors, it's. Um, I I can't really pin down the style except for saying that it has roots in folk music. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are. A lot of other elements. I mean uh, originally prior to Lost Harbors I was trying to do some uh, like noise project Uh, but then some sort of singer-songwriter kind of thing and the two kind of gelled together quite easily. Um, So Lost Harbors has kind of always been rooted in this requirement to write songs, yet at the same time utilize uh, sounds which you would would be more akin to like um, a noise act, uh, such as Wolf Eyes or some sort of ambient projects, Mm -hmm. Um, maybe like some of Eno's uh, works like uh, On Land um and gel those things together in some way uh
0: maybe also influenced by post-rock post-rock yeah um, there was a big
1: post-rock thing but i mean i i think you can see those elements in someone like uh You black emperor Mm -hmm. who was a very Um, big influence on me, like, I I was a big fan of their first three releases, Mm -hmm. um, where you had field recordings intermeshed with instrumental interludes, um, a lot of, like, ambient background sounds, and uh, just a lot of atmosphere in in, in there. Um, And that was kind of what I was aiming for, except condensed into uh, songwriting form. Um, where not necessarily the lyrics uh, had a um, like a story narrative but mm-hmm. more of like just a, more of like a dreamlike attempt at guiding you into a place into a certain headspace
0: yeah some narrative and uh... Some poetry, you would say.
1: Yeah, yeah, like quite abstract. Uh,
0: yeah, because not, not maybe uh, not getting into the trap of making experimental music for the sake of experimenting. Yeah, for about the length of uh, the tracks, or just uh, because we maybe you share this feeling. You, you feel like some people are going nowhere sometimes, or just it's some kind of fashion to to experiment than to just push the button for the pleasure of pushing the button, but to keep some frame that, uh, yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. And I think like having the, the songwriting frame okay. helped uh, encapsulate those ideas, helped me, helped keep those ideas in, 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 into a certain, um, space which I could then play with, you know, it, it's a bit like, uh, creating a toolkit for yourself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you have these. The, the, you, you could have all the tools, but I actually just wanted these tools. And then that, and then you just play with them and see where that takes you. Um, I mean, in, in, this specific circumstance with lost harbors, which is not my only musical outlet. It's just my, has been my main one for f- nearly 15 years. Um, that's what I wanted to do originally. And it's kind of still what I, I want to do with it now. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah, I play with certain emotions, certain sounds, certain ideas, and then trying to encapsulate them in this sort of singer-songwriter, uh, four to 10 minute length song.
0: Mm. You, you mentioned Brian Eno. Mm. Yeah. So what what, what were the artists, the band that had influence on your music? Uh,
1: Well, at the beginning, I would say, like, um, the incredible string band. um, And Six Organs of Admittance, uh, Espers, uh, Devendra Banhart, like, he was very popular in the 2000s. Mm-hmm, I um, remember him, yeah. Yeah, I saw, I, th- I think, one of his first shows in London. Um, just he was signed to Michael Gera's label. Um, and, yeah, a lot of, like, the American freak folk, as it was called, which came about, like, 2003, I think. That's when, rough 2003, 2004.
0: But... It, it, this is a it, these are explicit references like it could sounds like uh, these artists or but my question was uh, maybe larger in the sense maybe some bands uh, influenced you uh, where you, you have a, a real soft spot for these bands and um
1: well then uh, I'll definitely say Godspeed you black Emperor yeah mm-hmm. um, and Yeah, like Eno came later. Uh, I mean, uh, really early on, like when I first started playing music, it was like Mogwai, Godspeed, Black Emperor, Captain Beefheart, uh, the incredible string band who I found like quite early on. Um, Like Miles Davis, actually, the Bitches Brew album. I just adored that. I mean, I wouldn't say they had a necessary impact on what I did with Lost Harbors, but certainly on my understanding of music and Mm -hmm. that there was more than just like this, what felt like a very narrow focused uh, concept of what interesting music was, like indie music in the UK at that time. Um, But like when it came to Lost Harbors, actually like specifically the freak folk movement in America really opened up my ears. Hugely, because it was the, it was what was really happening at the point when I was starting to branch out into to write my own material for myself, um, and in turn, that then, that the people who were making that music, like their influences, I picked up on, um, like the, like late sixties, early seventies folk music. Uh, movement in the UK the sort of psych what called psycho acid folk which mm-hmm. was around in the UK and America in, in late late 60s early 70s which the incredible incredible string band were a part of um, but like fresh maggots uh, kind of quite a fun fun band from that period uh, comus who um, reformed a few like about 10 years ago uh, yeah. Like acts, acts like that. That, that's a lot of these things, like kind of materialize to me when, just after I started the idea of what I was doing. And, uh, then that helped like guide me. So it's like, Oh, like these are like, <laughs> uh, touchstones that I can pull upon for, for making what I want. But I was kind of already on that path. And I actually also say like, um, grouper as well this um, Harris's project which uh, a
0: lot of bands I don't know to be honest <laughs> <laughs> that's they Godspeed of course and Devon Banar also mm. and uh, when what, what, what was the, the moment when you decided uh, that you want to make music on your own you just you, you don't want to be only a listener or
1: Oh, maybe i need to go back to the beginning a bit, so I started making music in 97, when a friend of mine uh, said to me, hey, I want to form a band, do you want to play bass? Mm -hmm. And like, he lent me his brother's bass guitar, which I had to rewire to make it work. Okay. And um, we formed a band between us, We, we... had a friend who played guitar uh, and he was really into like Guns N' Roses and hair metal and stuff like that and we were more into like indie rock and grunge Mm -hmm. of the period I suppose Um, and we just started like writing some songs and uh, that band or rather like the the idea of that band lasted for quite a few years we never ever got a gig but we swapped loads of members so it was just a thing that we did you know we went to a rehearsal studio and we made music the music style that we made changed dramatically as did the lineup um it was always something that happened like you know we'd go there every two weeks we'd play together write some stuff or we'd meet round someone's house and play but um over like a space of five years, I was the only original member left and we were making like the, the sort of music we, we were making went from like sounding like Counting Crows and R.E.M. to sort of like some sort of bas- bastardised <laughs> uh, thing between Captain Beefheart and Mogwai. So it was like quite an exchange of ideas there. But... It never really went anywhere, and that always kind of frustrated me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the point of, for me, the point of making music, forming a band was to play live, go and play a gig. Yet we came from a very small town where the opportunities to do that were incredibly limited. Um, And we didn't really have much concept of a scene of musicians, a band scene, a music scene in our area. There was some stuff happening like eight or nine miles away, but we were really disconnected. Like we didn't have friends there. We were just in this rehearsal studio. Occasionally we heard some metal bands practice there, but yeah, we were very, very disconnected. And this kind of, it just didn't really strike me as the, um, as being part of a living musical culture. Although that's certainly not a concept that I could uh I would be able to tell you about at that point. it's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. I knew it was the missing thing, and um that's when i I really started to think more about making my own music um also, I was just a bass player, and my guitarist never let me have a go on his guitar, so I had to learn how to play guitar on my own. <laughs>
0: I suppose that for you being in this uh, Riga environment is something really different because maybe we share this thoughts. Yeah, um, Latvia is really a great place. Place, sorry, for for music, classical and indie music. And uh, you s- it seems to me that you have a great great input, great insights about. The history of indie music in Latvia and uh, mm,
1: a little bit, a little bit, I'd say. Mm, <laughs> uh,
0: mm, well, uh, <clears throat> in 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 the radio show you are making, uh, can you remind us where, where, the, the name and? Uh, it's
1: which? Liminal Noise. Uh, uh, is the name of the radio show, and mm-hmm. it's on um, Camp Radio, which is an offshoot of uh, Camp FR, who are. Mm. A organisation in the south of France who put on residences, uh, where you get to go along and learn with um, alongside some very interesting experimental musicians.
0: And Liminal Noise is also the name of your label. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but in this radio show you speak a lot about well, Lithuanian band, Latvian band? Do you, you, you...
1: I try and connect with what's happening now. Mm. Um, not so much historically, but m- more about like what is occurring right at this, this very present point, um, as for, for my own interests on, on the whole. Um, but also because I feel like a lot of, uh, the music in made in these countries, which is very contemporary in many ways, doesn't, um, get outside of these countries
0: Mm, i share absolutely what you're saying yeah
1: and people make it but they some somehow it doesn't move beyond the immediate scene um and i feel that's a bit sad
0: yeah yeah. i feel exactly the same about classical music and choir music which is one of the specialty of Latvia and uh, but you you know more than I do about indie music and, and in well indie rock whatsoever you whatever you call it in 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 the Baltics and you are absolutely right I, I don't understand why it doesn't manage to go out better and it's it's something that is seems to be deeply rooted maybe for historical or cultural reason I don't know maybe it's because it's too new or I I I think we don't have maybe the tools exactly to understand no I mean
1: I've got some suspicions but Mm. like they're they're just my own ideas I think one of the issues is um, Mm -hmm. a language barrier if you if you're making music in Latvian like maybe you feel it's not translatable and and I mean, there is this sort of historical context to that generally, like as an Englishman, like when, like non English language, mm-hmm. uh, music coming to the English speaking world tends to just get put into the world music, uh, kind of genre. And that's a bit sad. Okay. Um, but, uh, I, I, I kind of feel that people feel that that is a barrier. So they're not prepared to like overstep that, um, and I don't think it is a barrier. I, th- I think if you're making good music, and interesting music, you sh- it should not be something that you worry about. You should just go and play it to other people, and that barrier is in the is in the listener. It shouldn't be within you as the creator. Um, I think the other thing is like. Uh, there is always a barrier to touring stuff i mean obviously now we're in covid and we can't Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. get around the fact that we can't go and tour. but prior to that it's like the amount of um bands that toured like i think the touring thing is very deeply rooted in maybe like um like punk and noise ethos um this sort of like just get in your car or in a bus and go to a place and play for not very much money and There's an expectation if you're going to tour that you should be earning a lot more, (coughs) for example, like the economic issues of doing it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there is the infrastructure in Europe and generally worldwide, whereas if you put in a little bit of effort and um, are creative, you can at least make the tours break even. And But it's it's having someone explain that to you or having that uh, idea being open to you as a musician and feeling free enough to go and do that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it it took me a long while to get into that mindset that I could go and do, you can just go and do it. You can just email somewhere and go and play.
0: I I met some Ladian musician who complained about this, but also I've, they might think that it's better somewhere else in Europe, but when it's not really the case, uh, maybe. Well, it can be. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For the kind of music we are doing, I suppose. And um, so uh, c- could you speak about to, to us about a couple of bands that you uh, noticed recently, that you made an article on Deep Baltics, I think. This mm. is yeah. And where you try to get an an overall picture of what the Latvian scene is currently and as as it it, it evolves so um
1: but I was made a few years ago now that yeah yeah it
0: was like three eight that articles three years old um like you are some kind of ambassador for me <laughs> I wanted you to To make, to, to, you know, to connect the dots, maybe for the people that who who don't know the Baltics, who uh, would like to know what is happening, this, this sort of feeling, nothing, especially, yeah.
1: I I think actually talking about that article was, Mm. would be quite insightful in some ways, because, um, that article took me over a year to write. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it took me a year and a half. Like I wrote the first sketch of it and it really to show how quickly things change out here because a lot of the scenes are scenes like kind of involved around True, yeah. mm. particular places. Um, for a long time, like y- you could say the experimental scene was around uh, the bar called Chomsky, um, which is like a tiny four room bar, uh, which had one room with a PA system in. And you could maybe fit like 15, 16 people in there uh, at best, but actually, you know, sometimes you get a lot more. And I'd have a lot of touring bands come through there and a lot of like Latvian artists play there as well. Um, and yeah, because there was like so much focus on that, you could go there for like I don't know, a few months, like several times a week and see a lot of very, very good music. Um, but obviously there's other places as well happening. And when I was writing that article, that place was still in existence, and then they had to move the bar. and then other bars started. and it's like everything gets like spread out and things just move around. like I think <coughs> it's always been the case here. Like that, you know there isn't like one place which is always, been uh, the hub, the focus. Like, in, for example, in the UK, you get like one place that's been there for like 20, 30 years in a town, and that's like the real focus of, of the music scene, and it just becomes entrenched there. Whereas here, it's not quite so the case. I mean, you've got Naba Radio and uh, Tornis, the record label, um, who've been around for a couple of decades. Um, but I think one of the issues is partially the movement from like the Soviet era into uh, the non-Soviet period and the kind of uh, chaotic period in the 90s and a lot of like displacement of young people as they went to find jobs uh, during the late 90s and 2000s, like, you know, a lot of potentially like quite talented people moving away. Um, That has created a very nebulous scene in in some ways. Um, But yeah, when I was writing the article, I was trying to like find stuff which had some longevity, I suppose, uh, because I didn't want to write about stuff which felt quite ephemeral, like quite like it was going to dissipate as soon as I've written about it. But that's kind of what I end up doing anyway,
0: because it stops every half an hour. Okay. Um, yeah i I <clears throat> I'm yeah it would it's it's impossible to follow systematically as uh yeah a lot of things in Riga are moving really fast not only the music scene but uh, yeah it's uh, it's a, a feeling that you, you can have about many many topics but still it there is a so do you to just um, do you feel like something some atmosphere, remains, or some...
1: Definitely, yeah, Uh, yeah, I know, I think, like, the, the, um... There's a lot of energy in, 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 in Riga towards, uh, putting on experimental music, like, you know, there, there's a lot of... There, there is a core group of people who will turn up for those shows, and that group seems to be renewed um, with younger people, which is really nice to see. Um, like I kind of feel, uh, from my own experiences in my hometown in the UK, like things stagnate there, uh, generation wise, which is Mm -hmm. something I don't see out here happening as much. Um, quite healthy. yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it, it makes it feel like a lot healthier. Like, um, because the the places where stuff happens are exciting, interesting places where artistic people hang out. And that is not specific to certain generations, which means that kind of everyone's invited to the party. Uh, You know, it's a playground anybody can come and join in. whereas in the uk i kind of feel there's like a bit more of a gatekeeping atmosphere sometimes and it's harder to get uh, a foot in the door it's harder to start off doing things um so
0: yeah maybe we can also mention that one let's say institution or a radio that is uh Keep going on. It's uh, Nabas LR six.
1: N- N- naba, naba Radio. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a record label as well. It's part of uh, Latvian University. Um, they have a festival. <coughs> um, they also have uh, the Hadron Award for new bands. So you, you know, as a new new band, if uh, you can go and play there, and and. If you win the uh, battle of the bands, so to speak, you get to play at some festivals. Um, yeah, it's I, I think it's a great radio station, and they 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 really support um, Latvian music. But at the same time, you know they they have they play a, like a good range of. Um, like indie and experimental musics, um, post-punk and stuff from outside of Latvia as well. So it's just a really good station to tune into if, you, if that's what sort of stuff you dig. Um, and they're so well connected into the scene that it's... it's uh, yeah, it's like an institution, as you said. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they used to have a, a club as well, Naba Club, which... Unfortunately, was one of these things which shut down during the period I was writing this article. So, like, yeah, I felt that felt that really like kind of encapsulated this this period of change over a couple of years, where uh, yeah, I was writing about stuff as it was like finishing, and other things were starting up. And now, now there's like a uh, this situation has occurred again. You know, like with COVID, like obviously everything's (coughs) shut now. So, what's going to be there when? When we're it, we can come back and play music to, to real people.
0: can uh, exchange some words about uh, what it is today to uh, run into a label to manage a label even if it's very small how did you see things evolve for the last 10 years uh, about distribution about making money well on a very small scale anyway uh, and uh, what are your thoughts about you know things like how we music comes to us because there are there is no more CD more or less. less streaming all of this.
1: Yeah, I well, I mean, I've I've seen it change a lot. Like uh, even though like running the label um, is I've, I've never felt I've done it very well. You know, I it, it it's something that came out of the fact that. I wanted to put out my own music Mm -hmm. and at the point of having, uh, some music that I wanted to release, I didn't know anybody who would want to release it.
0: So, sort of, so DIY. Yeah. Having ingratiated
1: myself into the DIY consciousness, uh, I wasn't connected enough. To find anybody who would want to um, release the music that I was making but at the same time I understood that there was the potential for me to release it myself um, so I did that because it seemed like the only option available to me at that point point. Um, and it has never been my uh, the point of releasing music to make money from it. And I really haven't. So (laughs) it's been more the point to get the music out there than anything else. Uh, My first release was on cassette because it was the cheapest physical option available Mm -hmm. to me. I couldn't afford to put out a CD because, um, you know, to get a CD made, I think the minimum at that point was 500 copies. Mm -hmm. Mm Uh, I couldn't conceive of selling 500 copies, but I found that there was some sort of tape thing happening at this point. It was like a little bit early on. I think it's, especially in the last five years that tape scene has blown up tremendously. But at this point, uh, 12 years ago, that was not so the case, maybe in America, not so much in Europe. Um, but I thought, well, let, let, let's do this. I can afford to to get oh, how many did I make? Forty cassettes, and release it on Bandcamp and on a blog. Um, and I've sold them all now. <laughs> 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 oh. Only took ten years. Um, and then
0: yeah,
1: okay. and yeah, I managed all the PR myself. And the next release actually did a bit better. I think I sold ten. On the release and I've sold them all now and I made them uh, the error of deciding that for that release I would hand paint every cover which
0: takes a little bit of time okay, uh, so this <laughs> is really <laughs> DIY okay okay yeah but as a, as a listener also don't you think that we we um we have lost something in the streaming uh platforms, I mean, as a connection or
1: Definitely. Um and I'd say there's there there is like a fundamental difference between streaming and downloading. Mm-hmm. Um I agree, yeah. Yeah. Like when I was heavily listening to music uh, well, in my teens, like you, only had access to like cassettes, CDs. Vinyl was really not that cool in the '90s. Um, I didn't have a record player, but I did have a cassette player and a, a CD player, so that's what I listened to. But like when the internet came about, then all of a sudden you had like Soulseek, um, well Napster, and then Soulseek, mm-hmm. and Soulseek really opened up a lot of stuff. I was on a lot of music forums, listening to stuff. We'd do tape trades, um, you know. Don't don't copy music onto tapes because that's stealing music apparently, but we <laughs> did that a lot. We made a lot of compilations for people uh, for each other on these music forums, and then we were like downloading tons, but still going to see a lot of bands play, still buying merch and stuff, and for me, there was there is this difference in like downloading that music and listening to it and engaging with it to streaming. And it's a difference in like your level of engagement. I feel like one is actually proactive and the other one is completely passive. And when you're proactive, you're looking for something, downloading it, and then having to re-engage with it by like selecting stuff to listen to. Whereas with Spotify, you just press play and Spotify goes off and does what it does and, and make
0: the playlist for you yeah we, yeah should...
1: you can you can you can You open open it and it goes we've made your daily playlist oh so like, oh, all right A shit ton of experiments with music which straight should... there for my ears i just press play and listen to it this is this is nice and it's just it becomes so background it's not proactive anymore you're not searching you're not creating your own uh playlist which even when we were like you know sitting there with cds and cassettes and you know, recording stuff onto a cassette, you're still like, you're being very proactive playing with the music, playing with the the emotions and moods of, of a playlist. Whereas if, if you let an algorithm do it for you, like you've got no engagement, you've got no control over the music, you've, you, you don't have the same level of um, ownership, I think, actually, uh, of your own sound world. So therefore you're not connected to it in the same way Like you don't have the same emotional connection to it. Um, and that's, I feel that's what's really been lost. So yeah, I do listen to Spotify, but I'm more engaged with stuff when I want to listen to a vinyl or,
0: uh, or stick
1: on a cassette or something.
0: I, <clears throat> you know, that what I, I'm quite reluctant to cassette. You you, you don't have any <laughs> backward feelings, or is it is it really practical? Because I, I,
1: yeah, no, yeah. I think it's fine. Yeah, the small, uh, you know, they got you can have like all sorts of interesting designs with the. I, I think part of it is like the cassette as an art piece as well. Like a, as a release, it doesn't have to just be this like little thing in a plastic box. You can do all sorts with it, but. I I I just like a physical product to be able to handle it, and yeah. I think like running the small label, like for me, cassettes were the easiest way to represent the music physically. And I mean,
0: and small amounts, so very economically, it's it's okay. You don't have to invest in five and yeah, I know, yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, I mean that that was the principle. Behind me starting to release music on cassette. I mean, since that point, I went on to release CDs and vinyl, but um, even now, like, I still release cassettes because I, you know, I've grown to enjoy it as a format, uh, but also, still still about the economy of it.
0: um you could tell us a few words about your last musical project whose name is abuses abuses
1: yeah it's been a long time since i played in a band mm-hmm. um i mean lost harbors kind of had it was me and my friend emma uh, myself on guitar and her on flute and clarinet um but principally like at right at the beginning it was just me and she now lives in England and I live here so it's it's kind of like me and when she can manage it she'll play a show with me and she still plays flute and clarinet on Lost Harvest stuff when I get around to recording a new album um but I kind of had an itch to do something a bit more and uh, so that's like play electric guitar as well and be loud and obnoxious um and my partner, Sabine, uh, was in a band called MMM which is kind of this electro-clash, like electronic, electro-punk band, you could say, uh, who broke up um, in uh, 2019. And so she was kind of at a loose end and the bass player from that band was at a loose end and we were talking about making a disco project. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because we just had this idea of making fun music for people to dance to. And then we kind of got together and started playing and jamming a little bit and we kind of realised that none of us were good enough to play disco. Because, yeah, you have to be very talented to play disco. So we scrapped that idea and it turned out that we all love post-punk and um, a lot of sounds like that came from that like, you know, 80s explosion of music, uh, which came out out of punk. Uh, So we just started like playing some stuff together and we realised that actually we had like a lot of ideas we could play with. and Anita has like got a really nice feel for playing those sorts of bass lines. And it just kind of naturally evolved. It was really nice 'cause it just like yeah, it just kinda of naturally grew out of us playing together. Uh so uh, is, I, I suppose is, that's really all I can say. That about sounds it sounds like yeah. some
0: kind of mix of electro clash and noise, maybe something. No,
1: I'd say it's, it's more. It's, it's really like came out of like post punk, like Joy Division, This Mortal Coil, um, like that sort of era of music. Early Sonic Youth. Um,
0: I was about to say yes, some no wave.
1: Yeah, like no wave stuff. Uh, I would even say because we like we have to use a drum machine because we don't have a drummer Um, like when we started like talking about that I was like all right yeah we should listen to some Big Black Um, and then yeah I think like other elements have been built in the more we've gone on the more we've ingratiated ourselves with each other and how we've just wanted to play more with the sounds that we can create. So I mean even like there's bits and pieces from like okay, computer radio head have been put in there and uh like say little pixies and sort of grungy mm-hmm. sounds. So it's like this sort of gamma of like eighties and nineties indie, I suppose, just like smashed together. And stuff that we all love as well. So it it's really come about like making music that we love. Out well, making music out of stuff that we love, and enjoying the process of making it, and making music that we actually enjoy listening to.
0: So we're looking forward to listening to it. Yeah, indeed.
1: Yeah. So we released one single last year. Um, we were like rehearsing a lot and. We started recording everything that we did, we <coughs> recorded one song, uh, mixed it and then sent it off to get like final mix and master and we made a music video at home with a green screen and just like a bit drunk and goofed off in front of the green, green screen Okay. Make, made a music video out of that. And um,
0: We will put links to all of this. I yeah. Think it was,
1: I, I think the thing is like we just wanted to make music for the, f- for the fun of it. And enjoy the process uh, because sometimes when you start doing these things over a longer period, it, it, it becomes very serious because it becomes such an in, integrated part of yourself.
0: Yeah, but I, I, I yeah, yeah. I, and you want to go yeah. back
1: a little bit to when it was like fun and silly.
0: Fun, silly, and some kind, some sort of therapy, but yeah, there is difference between the musicians who think they are. They, Become serious about themselves, but not about the music. Yeah, different. This is where stands different. Yeah, Yeah.
1: I mean, like I think like both Sabine and I were in in like long term projects. Like she's makes does Waterflower, and I've been doing Lost Harbors. Um, So it's like it was like a welcome holiday from both of those things, and for me it was like a chance to get up and play electric guitar and as I said be loud and obnoxious and you know play with distortion and fuzz and stuff yeah yeah I've been
0: hearing of it will be first test on that channel Um, as far as you can remember in your recollection in your memories what is the first memory linked to to music when you were a child
1: It was my mum singing in a choir. Really? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so my, my early memories are of her singing in a church, like a church choir. Um, and, I mean, she would have been singing in a choir when I was in the womb as well. But yeah, like th- those are my earliest memories of music, basically like choral singing in churches. Um, I mean, we, we were never a religious family, but she loved singing. I mean, she grew up playing violin um, and her father was a violin player. She learned how to play piano and like later in life, she became a teacher, but she never lost, you know, um, being engaged with music in, in, in that way. So, um, yeah, it was it was her singing in the choir, but also her um, having piano lessons as well, uh, which when I was very early, I would pester her for, and eventually, I think at the age of four or five or something, I eventually started learning to play piano. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, I remember sitting with my dad in the pews while she was in um singing in the choir and we'd play like uh battleships on a piece of paper you know the grid the grid game where yeah (laughs) i know yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, and whilst while she was singing um
0: okay thank you richard and uh so thank you everyone for watching um and um a huge thank for watching and uh we hope to see you very soon on that channel bye bye